Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard What child is this? It's episode number 65 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most holy Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is the king of Marvin Gardens, Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? You know what? It's the holidays. I'm about to have off from work. So I'm trying to look on the bright side of life. Yeah. I mean, Liam, we're not going to get into the details, but it's been a bit of a tough week for you. Uh, leading up to this holiday season. Has it been difficult for you to get in the spirit of the holidays because of that? Yeah, uh, well, I'm not a huge Christmas person. And honestly, Mm -hmm. in some ways, I'm sort of ignoring my own advice because one of the things I hammer home a lot is that we would do better to celebrate Advent, which in the churchy world is like the pre-Christmas time. And Advent is all about like waiting and thinking about how hard things are and preparing for things to change. And that that part of the holiday is way better than the like, Oh, now the baby's born. Let's have presents and drink eggnog. Like that part of the holiday is really like the ego massage part. And the part that's actually like meditating on suffering is much better. That that's a, what a fucking weird thing for you to just say. <laughs> that's literally how I think about Christmas. But the thing is, is I'm very willing to make that case. But then as a human, I'm not I don't actually do that. What I actually do is eat cookies and drink eggnog and be like, yeah, 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 Christmas. And so yeah, like the yeah. fact that this time has actually been really hard is like the first time I've actually like done what I have actually talked about a lot. Oh, so you're kind of like flagellating yourself through this week. But after it, you can you've kind of earned the celebratory. Fla- wait, wait, wait. Flagellating. No, 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 no. This is an Easter. I'm not focusing on my sins. I'm focusing... I was going to say, you must love Easter because it's all about no, 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 pain no, no, no. and suffering. Well, actually, I do love Easter, but only for the death conquering, not the suffering part. No, no, no. Mm. The, the Advent time is to reflect on how the world needs change. I don't, I'm less interested in my transformation and more interested in the transformation of the world. Now, I have a question for you, Liam. Yeah. Don't you think that religion is awful? <laughs> yeah, it's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Oh, my God. If you could just get rid of it. Oh, just imagine all the people, you know, not being religious. I forget how the actual line goes. Jesus. (laughs) No, Liam, I think one of the great things about 2017, and there's so much great stuff that happened this year. So much. One of the great things things is that we can say Merry Christmas again. (laughs) I've, I've, I've had to get used to that actually in the area where I live. If you go to the grocery store, you go to Wawa, you go to whatever, people just straight up say Merry Christmas. And I'm not offended by that, but it's just unsettling because I'm so used to saying Happy Holidays. I'm like, oh, right. Like the assumption here is that everyone is on board the Christmas train. Hey, Liam, when I was in uh, elementary school, I once wrote a card or something like that, maybe put together like a Christmas card. And I used the Xmas on it. And my teacher got angry at me and said, hey, don't take the Christ out of Christmas. What do you think about that? I could not imagine something more inane and stupid, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying. I'm literally trying to imagine. I guess. Uh, 
I guess making a uh, making a petition to have the new Star Wars movie not be in the canon is slightly <laughs> more inane than that, but only slightly. I, I like that you're pulling in current events, Liam. I really do. I this really is want our to holiday this podcast. All these uh-huh. podcasts are too evergreen. We got to put some dates on them. All right, shut up, Liam. Today's guest is a writer for DailyGrindhouse.com, and you might have seen his beloved "I Wake Up" streaming columns, compiling all the best streaming content on the internet. It's Paul Freitag Fay. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. Paul, Christmas, yes or no? <laughs> um, yes, in in a very vague Christmas sense. You know, it's not to me. It's I don't really do the religious aspects of Christmas, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. know, it's it's a good time to hang around with the meet family and such and that sort of thing. So, Paul, I really appreciated that you said the word vague just then instead of vague. What do you think about when when people say vague instead of vague? I try to punch them really mm-hmm. just because it's mm-hmm. it's it's just wrong. It's wrong. Liam, do you say vague or vague? Who no one says vague. That doesn't happen. Oh, they do. They do. Is this a, this is a Canadian thing? It might be an Ontario specific thing. I bet in Newfoundland you'll get your ass kicked for saying vag. I've n- I've never heard va- vag. I can't even say that. You almost said vogue, which is another thing. Vogue, but that's <laughs> that's too close to vogue, which you know turns it into an entirely different direction. Paul, what is your Christmas tradition? Um, uh, Christmas tradition. We basically uh, my my husband and I we have both of our kind of sets of parents down for down for Christmas, and we we mm-hmm. host and. Just uh, hang out and drink probably a little bit too much wine and have too much food. And it's just a relatively uh, low-key low key kind of day. Now, Paul, this episode will be released either on Christmas Day or the day after. Ah. So you can reveal to us what have you gotten as the big present for your husband. Um, well, that is actually uh, still in the mail. I, I've actually uh, oh. com- commissioned a portrait uh, from what? an artist of of wow. the two of us and our pets uh, oh in order to uh, uh, because I thought hey, that would be kind of a kind of a neat thing to have. Uh, so that that's is, wonderful is in the mail on the way. Well, I hope it arrives. It would be a Christmas miracle if it arrived tomorrow, don't it you think? It would be. <laughs> What are your pets, Paul? I have a, a cat and a dog, and they they match and they are the same colors. Oh, that's that's you know Liam hates animals, which is again it's been a big point of contention on this show. <laughs> all, all animals or all of them? Wow, isn't that right, Liam? I mean, <laughs> a lot of hate. I don't know if I should go if I if I'm supposed to yes and this joke or not. <laughs> I, I, I'll go with I'll go with I don't hate the ones that taste good. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, oh, I love animals. I have two cats. I would love to have a dog, but we just aren't there. That's too much. Two cats Paul, and a baby you... is too much. Paul, what is your cat's name? Uh, my cat's name is Laszlo. And what is your dog's name? Uh, dog's name is Roscoe. Okay. And so... what is your cat's name again? <laughs> uh, uh, Laszlo. He's actually based <laughs> off of the, the John Grease character in Real Genius. From Real Genius, yes. yes. Oh, Paul. <laughs> This is something I'm connecting with you <laughs> with on a very deep level. And I, when you said the name, I'm like, I hope that's a real genius reference. And it was. It definitely Paul, is. What's your Eric Roberts history? Well, um, I, I'd say I worked in a video store uh, for mm. about 10 years from about early 90s to early 2000s. And during that time, that was really kind of 
peak Eric Roberts direct-to-video uh, <laughs> era. So the video stores I was I was working at, we would get lots of screeners uh, of upcoming movies, and I would watch basically anything that was coming through mm. the pipeline. Um, we'd pretty much never buy these movies because we were a small video store and you know, we couldn't really afford to buy everything, but sure. you know, this was the time of like love is a gun and the immortals uh, and sensations mm-hmm. and uh, sensations, whatever. Yeah, um, absolutely. that, that one where he has dreadlocks on the cover. I can't. Oh yes. Yeah. Trip wire or trip. trip wire. Which... Yeah. Whatever yeah. that is. So, um, so uh, this was, <laughs> basically you could open up the, uh, the, the weekly video store magazine guide to the upcoming titles and be guaranteed a new Eric Roberts movie uh, was going to be in there. If there was ever a time where there wouldn't be like either an Eric Roberts or a Rucker Hauer movie in this catalog, mm-hmm. something something was terribly wrong with the video store world. So, well, well uh, you know, you know, Paul, back in 1993, the stars aligned and put Eric Roberts in a Rucker Hauer movie, and Rucker Hauer and Eric Roberts movie. It's called Voyage, and it's not very good. It is. It is not. But it is it is uh, it. It was a USA World premiere movie. That's so true. It's one so it's one I well. Oh, Paul, that's right. Of course you would. Paul, what's your favorite Eric Roberts movie? Um, I mean, you know, you, you, you can't go wrong with the classics. My, my favorite is probably his performance in Star 80. Right. And it's, it's probably an answer a lot of people give, but it is such an impressively entrancing performance that you, it's, you, you can't, like – not look at Eric Roberts every second that he's on the screen in that movie. You know, recently on Twitter, someone was talking shit about the Pope of Greenwich Village. When someone, when you hear someone talking shit about the Pope of Greenwich Village, how does that make you feel? I saw that. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, and and you know that that bothered me because you know the Pope of Greenwich Village is is a really fantastic movie, and Eric Roberts and Mickey Rourke are both uh, both fantastic in it. Um. I guess I could kind of see where you could see the uh, the portrayal as being a little bit over the top, but to me it, it fits the character perfectly uh, and just strikes me as you know I don't want to be one of those people that's like you're watching it wrong. But I'm like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but they're 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 probably watching it wrong. Look so. for every for every movie, there's a right position and a wrong position. We know this. <laughs> it's obvious, right? It's so science. when someone. Yeah, it's science. You know what? It is a science, and yeah, it's it's important for us to call out the wrong opinions as forcefully as possible. So, person whose name I can't remember, you're wrong about Pope of Greenwich Village. <laughs> that part where Eric Roberts makes a giant sandwich that I asked him about on a stage live in front of people is a great moment and should be recognized as such. Boy, I'm on my high horse today, aren't I, Paul? You are, but for very valid reasons. You know what? It's the holidays. Why am I getting so bent out of shape? Why is everybody getting bent out of shape about everything? Liam, don't you think I should calm down a little bit? No, I've often thought that you don't get bent out of shape enough. I mean, do you need a change in priorities? Sure, maybe. But I I like bent out of shape, Doug. I I wish you would be bent more often. Well, I'll tell you something, gentlemen. There is a Christmas miracle coming on this show today. You don't even know what it's going to be yet. But it's something very, very special. A little bit of a surprise, but I'll tell you when it happens. Excited, Liam? No, not even a little bit. Okay. Well, before we get into that excitement, we need to check out all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report.
It's the Roberts Report for episode number 65 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. Follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Now, on December 18th, someone, Vicky Abelson, tweeted, Using lettuce as a wrap substantially minimizes my caloric intake. Hashtag food porn for hashtag dieters. Eric Roberts, very taken with this tweet. He then retweeted it and added, LOL. Take your sandwich out for lunch, out of the bread, that is. Starting with you, Liam, what is your uh, opinion on bread? My opinion on bread? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine. <laughs> it is? D- d- have you ever swapped out bread in a sandwich for a piece of lettuce? I have, although um, I'm not sure. I'm looking at the picture. You didn't describe the picture for the listener. Please describe it for me, Liam. It's a piece of lettuce. <laughs> with a cheese curl on it. So Eric Roberts jumping to a sandwich kind of confuses me. It's not like when I'm making a sandwich, I just put a cheese curl on a piece of bread. And I'm like, mmm, sandwich time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I you know, uh, I actually, because of uh, my diabetes, I should probably mm-hmm. not have bread that much. But I don't do that and I have bread and it's pretty good. Bread is high in carbohydrates. It is. It's well, and it depends on the bread too. Like I've, I've kind of made the switch now to like multi ancient grain, chunky, mm. whatever the fuck it is. That's not white bread. Paul, white bread. Are you a fan? White bread? No. No, mm. I, I like a little density in my bread. Um, you know, I, I the bread that you can have on its own. I'm a big fan of. I'm not sure. really much of a sandwich bread kind oh. of uh, kind of eater. I'm just like you, you. You put the bread on its side. You put a little butter on it. That's that. That's a meal there. You know, what I like to do Paul, and and no, don't tell anyone this. I like to take a big loaf of bread, right, and I like to just chomp into the side of it. What do you think? I think you're a madman, Doug. I'm a madman, but, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, I'm unleashed. That's how I feel on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I, I Somebody's let me out of my cage, right, Liam? Somebody had to. You know, on the most recent episode, Liam, we talked about the animals of Eric Roberts. We we mentioned his cat's names. Now, what are those cat's names again, Liam? <laughs> I've completely <laughs> forgotten. One is named Brooklyn, which I will never forget because I don't know why it's named Brooklyn. And then the rest, I have no idea. There's Brooklyn. There's Stevie. There's Wonder, and then there's a blind cat that is neither Stevie or Wonder. That's how I remember things. Well, on December 16th, Eric Roberts himself posted a photo of Wonder. And it shows Wonder in uh, what appears to be a pantry of some sort. And he he's very cute looking. And Eric Roberts has written, Wonder, big feet means big cuteness. Starting with you, Paul, is that true? I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, it may be true for cats. Uh, it, it certainly seems to be true for wonder. But mm. in general, in the whole animal kingdom, including including humans, I don't think big feet necessarily means cuteness. Let's think of some people with big feet who we don't find particularly cute. Starting with you, Liam, who, who, who have you come up with? What comes to mind when you think of someone with big feet? Who's the first person that springs to mind? Shaq. Shaq and cute or or not? No, thank you. Oh boy, strong opinions here on Eric mm, Roberts is the fucking mm, man. I'm Paul, with who's, who springs to your mind first? Uh, the Jolly Green Giant springs to my mm. mind, and he strikes me as more handsome than cute. That's a that's a very good point. And of course, the first person who comes to my mind is of course Bigfoot himself, aka the Sasquatch. And though um, 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with him, I suppose. I think he would maybe not be handsome, maybe not cute. Striking is how I would describe the classic visage of Bigfoot. Uh, and blurry, that's the other word I would use. But no, I think Wonder, is it Wonder? Yes, Wonder here has a, has a very uh, adorable look. Paul, you mentioned that your pets match. What did you mean by that? Uh, they're both uh, white and brown. Uh, white oh. with brown spots, so they uh, they make for uh, an affable duel. And uh, but unfortunately, they they are not really best friends, so they don't like have Milo and Otis style adventures, Aww. which is a little well, disappointing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they don't have Milo and Otis adventures in the sense of how they tortured those animals while making certainly, Milo and Otis. <laughs> certainly true. <laughs> what breed is your dog? Uh, not really sure. Uh, he's a mm-hmm. rescue, but we think he's some kind of a hound pit bull mix. He is, he is incredibly friendly um, and very large. He's about 80 pounds, um, but he's got kind of a kind of a baby Huey complex where he just wants to be friends and just kind of bumps into stuff a lot. Boy, I can relate, to be sure. Liam, this will excite you. Hollywood star Tom Sizemore is filming in Istria. Do you think I pronounced that right, Liam? Istria? I don't know. Where Where is Istria? Uh, my understanding is that it's in... Oh boy! <laughs> uh, I'll I'll tell you where it is. What you don't know where Istria is, uh, Liam? How embarrassing for you! It's the largest peninsula in the Adriatic Sea. Duh! <laughs> oh right. Uh, let's see. It's uh, boy. Hmm. Oh, it's near Croatia, of course. Croatia. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. So Liam, Tom Sizemore is filming near Croatia in Istria, and he's filming a movie. Uh, with uh, Eric Roberts in it. Isn't that exciting? You know, they've worked together several times in the past. I actually have a list of just some of the, the recent projects they've worked in together. Just in uh, the year 2018 alone, which is we're rapidly approaching, they've been in uh, or will be in four different projects, perhaps a fifth being added with this uh, this project here. Sizemore playing the agent of an actor seeking treatment in a rehab facility with actor Costas Mandalore playing the clinic director Dr. Suter. I would I would pronounce that Suter. Yeah, a lot of projects him and Eric Roberts in in 2018. I guess we'll have to look forward to that. Actually, one of these projects, Black Wake in 2018, is by director uh, Jeremiah Kipp, who is uh, someone I've known for several years. I interviewed him a couple of years back, and I'm very excited to check out the uh, the film Black Wake in 2018. What do you think, Liam? Mm, I think the poster looks like a super dope anime. It does look like a super dope anime, or maybe... What's that? Aeon Flux. Remember Aeon Flux? Liam? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul, what did you think of Aeon Flux? The uh, the, the the movie or the the cartoon? Now I have a feeling you didn't care for the movie, so I'm going to ask about the cartoon. I actually have not seen the movie, so I, I cannot well, judge. Um, I, I, I did enjoy the cartoon. It was good for you know five minutes of pop. Paul, you like to tell people where they can find movies that are streaming. I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think is the best streaming service for people who love movies? Um, it really depends on the type of movies that they love. Sure. Uh, Filmstruck is great. Uh, they've got mm-hmm. a lot of uh, films from the Criterion Collection. Uh, Shudder is great for, for horror films and, uh, and, and offbeat things like that. Uh, there are services such as uh, Tribeca Shortlist, which I like a lot, Ooh. and that's a kind of a curated service that gets X number of movies per month, and they're all genuinely good movies. Um, so there's there's a lot of options out there. Say I have $15 of hard-earned money, 
and I'm letting Paul, oh. you, choose which service that I should get. What do you think? Which one am I going to get? Well, 15. You could probably get about two or three services. Oh, my goodness. The possibilities are endless. Liam, which, which streaming services do you subscribe to? Which ones do I subscribe to? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shudder, uh, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Filmstruck, Exploitation TV, uh, uh, oh, HBO through Amazon, um, what okay. else? Okay, Night Liam, Flight. Liam, I have a quick question for you. Yeah, yeah. Can I have your login information? <laughs> I think we discussed this on this very podcast before, and the answer uh, is yes, of course you can. Well, Assuming you I know, can fil- remember any of them. Filmstruck is not available here in Canada, which is a fucking tragedy. What? Uh, yeah, I that's th- absolutely the case. Look, look, Scream or Shout Factory has a free app on the Roku. It's about mm-hmm. the same thing. Just get that. It's not, and I know that because <laughs> because despite Filmstruck not being available here, I do have a subscription to it, and I do use it all the time. But uh, I mean, there's ways around it. Just like there'll be a ways around all the limitations that your ser- internet service providers are going to foist on you now that uh, the net neutrality has been knocked down, Liam. I mean, I'm sure it'll affect me in in very profound ways. Unfortunately, Hulu is also not available here in Canada. Why? I you don't need it. I bet that Tribeca streaming service is also not available here. But, you know, again, you got to find ways around it. Filmstruck, get in Canada and also get that PS4 app out soon, as you promised us for several years now. But anyway, there's lots of great options if you love movies. And some of those that you mentioned, Liam, I appreciate very much. I also like Mubi, M-U-B-I, which is also like a curated. I downloaded uh, the app, but I haven't signed up for it yet because um, I need to quit some of these. other. Because I, I also have Sling. I just have a bunch, and I need to quit a couple before I add new ones. I know what you say when it comes to these streaming services, uh, uh, Liam. You know what you say? What's that? Why can't I quit you? <laughs> Paul, what's the greatest movie you've seen in the year 2017? Um, that is a good question. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Lady Macbeth. To be oh, honest, I love it, that movie. I, I enjoy I, that very much. You know, I I thought people kind of sat on it. Like I didn't really yeah. hear much about it when it came out. I'm like, this is an amazing movie, and it's just like, just powerful. And I walked out of the theater thinking, oh my god, everything is is awful, um, but in a very good way. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of going to be my my go to answer, I guess. Just. If in no for no other reason than to kind of encourage more people to see it, that I think that's a great reason to look. Look, the fact is we're not. This is not a uh, condemnation of anyone on the show, particularly you, Paul. But it's not like our audiences are so large that our top ten lists are one of those things where it's like people are going to be going back to them a decade from now to say, hey, did he, you know, put Moonlight as his top movie of 2016 like he should have? It's better for us to champion a movie that maybe didn't get the attention it deserved that still is great. No, I agree. And and I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's You great. didn't have to agree with that, Paul. No, you could have knocked me down there. I'm still going to agree with it. Um, but yeah, because I mean, I loved like Get Out, but everybody's seen Get Out. So, you know, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did you just say moving on to me on my own podcast? <laughs> I'm, Liam, I'm if, only I'm I've specifically decided to only have my top five be Marvel films just to really give them the hype they deserve. 
Yeah, well, I know that you uh, you've been paid off by Big D. Ooh, I got that <laughs> sweet, sweet Disney money. Woo! But Le- Liam, it does beg the question: This is the last episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man for the year ever. Two thousand seven. Because I will be <laughs> potentially, dead by potentially ever. I'll probably be dead. <laughs> Liam is deciding to finish off with a bang, so to speak. But Liam. <laughs> Yeah. What's your favorite movie of 2017? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I so I actually need to submit for the Cinepunks uh, year-end roundup tomorrow, and I'm uh. I am very torn on this topic. One because there's a variety of movies I haven't watched yet, uh, of course, including Lady Macbeth. Uh, I'm about halfway through Super Dark Times. I haven't finished that yet. <laughs> I'm about halfway through. Uh, Good time. By the way, those two are too similar in name, and it kind of is weird. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, as far as things I've finished, and I definitely know that I love, it's it's probably uh, Ladybird. Uh, but oh, here's the thing: the I, okay, the movie I'm most excited about that I saw is one that. Uh, I don't think I'll put in my list because no one else probably had the chance to see it unless they saw it at a festival. And that's mm-hmm. uh, our buddy uh, buddy's film, Low Life. That right. that was great. But I, I feel weird putting it as my top film because it's like, in general, most people haven't got a chance to see it. I'm getting the hype train started on Low Life, Liam. I, I think what I'm going to do instead is, I keep saying this and I haven't written a word, is like write about it separately, like write a piece yeah. about it instead of putting it on my list. Because the list isn't even that, isn't going to get as much attention as like a whole piece. Like, hey, this is why this movie's so awesome, blah, 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 blah. Soon to be featured on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast is 2015's Silver Case Director's Cut from director Christian Filippella, also the director of 2012's Silver Case, of which this is apparently a director's cut. The plot is the world of scheming and dreaming reaches a particularly nasty low when a powerful producer known as the Senator, played by Eric Roberts, hatches a plan to undermine the future success of his shady arch rival, the Master. Liam, this is Silver Case Director's Cut. I think it's interesting that in this movie, uh, Eric Roberts is facing off against the Master when earlier he played the Master in the Doctor Who TV movie. Oh, that's true. I kind of forgot about that. I'm I'm confused about this a little bit. Uh, So, it is... Okay, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. You're you're confused about the fact that this is a director's cut of a film from previous year? Well, in the sense of, like, it it, it seems... uh, Yeah, I mean, did you cover the original Silver Case already? Nope, have not. Okay. Also, I don't. I you would think when a film isn't getting a theatrical release or any major distribution, that really the first cut would be the director's cut. No, I guess that's what I'm confused about. Is like usually when I hear about a director's cut, it's for a movie that's existed in a very sort of real way in the consciousness. Like, okay, you all know this original cut, you're familiar with it, but now here's a whole new version. It's like I'm being introduced to like the deluxe version of a thing that I didn't know was a thing. Sure, that doesn't make any sense. Paul, what's your favorite director's cut? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I'd probably go with, with something as, well, I, does the final cut of Blade Runner count as, as the absolutely, director's cut? Okay. I think so. Let's right. go with that. Then I'll is that go your with favorite? That. Is that your favorite Blade Runner cut? That would be that would be my preferred cut. That's what I think. I think of that as, as being a genuinely perfect film. I'm going to go back to you in just a second to answer the question I'm about to ask Liam, Paul. But Liam, 
Can you name me a director's cut that you think is worse than the regular non-director's cut version of the film? Hmm. That's a good question, Doug. Uh-huh. I, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, possibly the director's cut of Nightbreed. Oh, but, but that's that is a very interesting answer. I think a lot of people really do prefer that cut. See, I actually have come to the point where I also prefer that cut, but oh. I've had a lot of <laughs> pushback. Well, I didn't at first, and now I think I do, but it's only after watching it a few times. And when I say that, I get a lot of very angry. Perhaps I just have a lot of uh, Clive Barker purists in my life. Sure. But it is, it is among my more controversial opinions, along with uh, uh, Kanye was never good and um, mm. McDonald's should never be eaten ever. Okay. Very strong opinions from Liam on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I suppose I should put out one, but I'm afraid I'm going to step on Paul's toes. So I'm going to go over to Paul first. Paul, what's the bad director's cut? The the one that immediately comes to mind is Amadeus. Oh, what's Whoa. so bad? Because, I, you know, I, I picked up the, the Blu-ray of Amadeus and it's the director's cut. I'd never seen the director's cut. I'm like, okay, this is going to be even better than the Amadeus that I know and love. And it has these subplots that really add nothing to the film and just kind of detract from the 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 theme of the film itself like there's this whole thing where Salieri is basically uh trying to uh seduce uh Mozart's wife um and like she like he like forces her to or forces her to have sex with him in order to like give him a job and it's all it's it really just kind of leaves a bad taste on the film Hmm. that uh, is just really detrimental i'm like i i want the original cut that doesn't have all this kind of nonsense in it Hmm. I, i actually want to get your take on this quickly the Apocalypse Now director's cut is is a little controversial because it adds in a large French plantation scene that some people feel kills the pacing of the movie. Do you have an opinion on that, Paul? I don't because I have never seen the director's cut. That that's reasonable enough. I have <laughs> to say, when I went when they released that director's cut in cinemas, I saw it, and I have to say, having not seen Apocalypse Now for a while, it 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 really does change the pacing of the movie to a pretty substantial level. But the one I want to mention, and it might be slightly controversial, is the director's cut of Walter Hill's The Warriors, uh, which is actually the most common version, I think, available these days, uh, where they he has gone back and created sort of comic book style transitions between scenes. And I feel like they're kind of chintzy and they they hurt the the movie that I sort of am so very familiar with, but I wonder if maybe a new viewer to the Warriors might like them a little more. Have, have you ever seen that version, Paul? I have, and I do not like that version. I am a much bigger fan of the original cut, uh, and I kind of wish it was restored with the scenes that were added to the TV version yeah. in there, just just to be complete, but without this you know, like comic book uh, feel to it. Because the movie already has a comic book tone to it so just throwing more comic book stuff at it just kind of makes it more in your face and it's not necessary because the movie is presented so sincerely it it doesn't it just doesn't mesh for me liam the warriors director's cut come out and play or no way 
I am fine with it. I it, it's well because I, I as you said, it's hard to find the original anymore. So I've now watched the director's cut enough times that I'm kind of used to the weird comic book interstitial things and they sure. don't they don't make me mad. It definitely was surprising the first time I put it on and I was like, "Sure. What, what the fuck is that?" But uh but I, I don't know, I'm kind of used to it now. I I, hmm, I but I do think they're unnecessary. I guess in the end if you're going to put out a, a thing and add this thing to it, even if it doesn't distract me or doesn't make my experience less good, it's certainly unnecessary. It certainly doesn't add in my mind. It doesn't add to the experience of the film. I just don't find it disconcerting as I once did. Liam, are you excited to check out 2015's silver case director's cut? I mean, I don't know if excited is the word. I think, I think the word you're looking for is obligated. Obligated. Now, why is that, Liam? Um, some stupid agreement I made. Not an ag- an agreement. Uh, that's probably not the word I would use. I would say a blood oath <laughs> that the both that's of us have taken. That's a form of agreement. That's a kind it's, of contract. It's true, and of course, this blood oath we we did ask Eric Roberts to release us from it. And what occurred then, Liam? He said no. He was looking at you when he said no, so I think he meant yes for me and no for you. What do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I'll, I'll carry on without you. It'll be. I mean, a... If you had to find, if you had to find a new host or co-host for Eric Roberts is the fucking man, who would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because now I'm thinking, I'm like, who would I have chemistry with? Who would be really <laughs> fun to talk to? Who would do all the work so I don't have to do anything? Uh huh. It's yeah. tough, right? Yeah, it is tough. I don't know whether I have a good answer. Well, keep thinking about that because it might it might become very important to answer <laughs> in the very near future. Oh, that'll be great. I can't wait. Liam and Paul, we're talking about a very special movie on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. This is a Christmas movie or a holiday movie. It's directed by the most featured director on this podcast, David Dakota. Uh, a, a director that both Liam and Paul love very much. Isn't that right, Paul? That is definitely true. And it also features Eric Roberts, the actor, as well as Vivica A. Fox. And in fact, I should note, uh, a few uh, episodes back, we uh, covered a movie called The Wrong Roommate, which was made for television. And this movie shares a large chunk of the cast for The Wrong Roommate. Um, and we'll talk about that once we discuss the movie itself. But right now, we need to take our first break. When we return, we're going to have a little chat about A Husband for Christmas, starring Vivica A. Fox from the year 2016. We'll be talking about that right after this. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on the one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Two co-workers agree to a loveless marriage of convenience, but as they become acquainted, an unrealized chemistry grows between them. 
It's 2016's A Husband for Christmas, directed by David Dakota. Uh, again, the most prolific, one of the most prolific directors on Earth, but also the director featured most often on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. You might remember his work in such classics as Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper, uh, the classic A Talking Cat and A Halloween Puppy, um, as well as many others, including uh, The Wrong Roommate, which I mentioned before the break. Uh, this film uh, doesn't really feature Eric Roberts in a central role. It actually features strongly uh, Vivica A. Fox, um, who I'm sure... Uh, People would recognize from any number of roles. For some reason, my brain is only thinking of Kill Bill right at this very second. Uh, but this is uh, very much a, instead of the um, the more tension based, uh, almost what the thriller I should say uh, style of some of the other movies that we've mentioned. This is very much a romantic comedy and a very predictable one. But predictable doesn't necessarily mean bad. It was written by Jay Cipriani, uh, who's wow. He has a really amazing list of credits. Uh, going in reverse order chronologically, A Christmas Cruise from this year, Sharing Christmas this year, Sleigh Bells Ring from 2016, A Husband for Christmas, this movie, Christmas Land from 2015, A Golden Christmas 3 from 2012, Three Holiday Tales from 2011, and A Golden Christmas, the original from 2009. It seems like this gentleman is an expert on Christmas. So bringing an expert on Christmas together with David Dakota, we have magic, ladies and gentlemen, or at least that's how I feel. I'm going to start with our guest, Paul. What did you think of A Husband for Christmas? Well, uh, keep keep in mind, like I always try to approach films that I'm not necessarily the audience to sure. uh, by, by trying to appreciate exactly what they are. And, and this is a case where this is kind of a... Uh, th- this wasn't made for Hallmark, but it's very much kind of uh, the genre of Hallmark Christmas movies. Certainly, um, which is which is a huge, huge hole to fall down. Like there's there's hundreds of these things. There there like dozens of them get made every day, and I had never really seen any before. Um, so I tried to go in a little bit uh, and and actually understand the genre because I really like genres that are very very insular, like you know erotic thrillers of the 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 nineties or like Lombada sure. movies or you know face the forbidden face, dance the yeah you know or face exploitation perceived oppression porn like the God's Not Dead movies like they're sure. they're 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 very specific to exactly what their intent is and what their audience is. Um, so I, I tried to look at it from that perspective, and um, I, I still have a lot of questions as to how things work in the Christmas universe that was uh, that was created here. Um, but uh, there were there were things about it that I uh, that I enjoyed, um, mostly in terms of seeing random character actors. Sure. Uh, there was, uh, you know, plot-wise, I was I was confused and perplexed by character motivations for pretty much everybody involved. So let me elaborate a little bit on that plot that you were just referring to. So in this, uh, in the plot summary I read out, it said two co-workers agree to this marriage of convenience. It's very much the classic green card situation, except in this case, it's been set up by Vivica A. Fox's boss, played by Eric Roberts. So her company is being merged with another one. There's a graphic designer from England who has come to the United States, but uh, he needs a green card. Eric Roberts basically says that she can have a promotion and a pay raise if she marries this guy so he can become 
um, legally uh, able to work in the United States. That is the setup. And that is horrible, by the way. It's like a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but uh, as we were talking about before we started recording, they sort of present Eric Roberts as almost kind of like a playful character, not necessarily as like the worst, most horrible boss in the entire world who made them do this really reprehensible thing. Liam, what did you think of A Husband for Christmas? Um, I think the, the crime for which I shall not forgive it is... Uh, is that it made me think fondly of a Gerard Depardieu movie. Um, in that green, it's basically green card with Christmas, but green card is better. And that kind of bums me out uh, to realize that. Um, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a frustrating watch for me. The, the, the thing that uh, David Dakota brings to the table that particularly makes me not happy is... Um, it, between every scene, there's there's these cuts, you know, these like sort of interstitial whatever, sure. and the weird amalgam of Christmassy music that plays over these sections makes me want to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that and, and that uh, may seem like a nitpicky thing, but there's a lot of these sections, and it's just this constant reminder, like. Don't forget, this movie's about Christmas. This is a Christmas movie, guys. It's about it's about Christmas. Well, and... we should note, Liam, that this takes place in California. So sure. just in terms of visuals, you are not reinforced that it is Christmas very often outside of the characters constantly referencing it and singing Jingle Bells at once. I was going to say, except for being <laughs> in every part, uh, having a scene in a Christmas tree, which, again, <laughs> are there – What? okay, I'm not going to get into the, the weeds on this one. Um, you know, uh, I I like – I like Vivica A. Fox. This is not a great role for her. I felt it just didn't play off particularly well. Um, Rico Ross plays her, the person she has the fake marriage with, who she inevitably falls for under a weekend. <laughs> and uh, he's not, oh, he's not great at all. He has negative opinions. Rico, well, you know, and this is Rico Ross was was Private Frost and Aliens. Aliens, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like, whoa, hey, Private Frost is back, and now he's got a British accent. <laughs> some, kind. I mean, but it, that's not only is his accent not great, but the majority of what the character offers again, I, maybe I'm, I shouldn't be judging it. Maybe it's a script, but the the Britishness is almost the entirety of the character. Like, there's nothing else there. Other than it's like he's from England and he notices things, and that's about that's about it. And I um, feel he does amazing feel, Photoshop work. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. I feel like because him being English is such a central part of his character that they probably should have cast a British actor in that role, probably. and certainly in the role of his girlfriend, who is also supposed to be British and is even worse in terms of doing it. At least Rico Ross, he lived in England for years and years. He was even on Doctor Who in the late '80s. So I mean, you know, he, I, I, he does a. Not great job at the accent, but uh, it could have been a lot worse. But it also would have made a lot more sense just to cast someone who could actually just have the accent. Can I ask a question, too? Yes. Uh, Hillary Shepard. She plays yes. Natasha Tate. That's the that's mm-hmm. the boss's assistant, right? That is yeah, my like favorite bo- yeah. character in the movie. She's I, very mean because she, she also kind of pretends to be friendly with Vivica A. Fox's character, but she's backstabbing her, and she never gets a comeuppance. I could never understand what was going on with that character, like why she was so mean. 
Oh, she doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, it's she's just insane. She they literally just were like, your character is mean. So just be crazy. And then she just she's always vamping at the camera in weird ways. And like, you know, there's all these shots of her trying to eavesdrop, which like eavesdrop eavesdropping apparently involves like staring very intently. Like that's how you hear better or something. I don't know. It was very strange. Right outside the office, too. Yeah. But I will agree with you, uh, with Paul, that like she's kind of my favorite part of the movie in a, in a way, or or at least one of the more memorable aspects because she's so kind of over the top at every scene that I, I it was amusing for me. She calls INS on the guy. What it a was, horrible thing to it's do! It's crazy. I yeah, and uh, okay, and then the the and this is the other thing I was confused at is the so we have our two INS agents, um, Nathan Hedge and Mary Adams. Uh-huh. Does this happen that much? British guys need fake wives that they're like these hardened they've they've been doing this for, they've been doing this for a while. Yes. They, they, they know Photoshop. They know what's up. They know what's going on here. But then of course when they actually fall in love, it's like, well, they're in love now. My love o meter says it's at a hundred percent. Like, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand. Okay, that we'll get to the ending in just a little bit because that is a whole different story. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Agent, uh, Agent Nathan Hedge. Uh, he's one of the uh, INS agents. He was also uh, the actor Jason Shane Scott was in The Wrong Roommate. Dominique Swain is here, also uh-huh. from The Wrong Roommate. Dominique Swain, Lolita herself, uh, all grown up as the best friend of Vivica A. Fox, who happens to be, what, at least 15 years her junior. Uh, but that is nothing compared to his, her younger <laughs> sister. <laughs> her younger sister in this movie was born in 1987. Vivica oh. Fox's younger sister. So that that um, caused me to do a bit of a, a double take. Paul, you mentioned that there are some familiar character actors in this movie. Before we get to them, I just wanted you to tell me, who do you think was the most memorable supporting player outside of just like the instantaneous cameo type person? Who did you like as the supporting actors that was not Eric Roberts? Uh, well, Hillary Shepard. Whom, uh, whom we've addressed because she was at least she was very entertaining. Like yes. you, you were watching Hillary Shepard when she was on screen, mm-hmm. like when she was scowling and, and whatnot. Um, uh, the other kind of random character actor uh, that I really liked there's there's a woman that's in the movie for maybe like twenty seconds, but she's she's like another ad exec but she's really really impressed by oh, yes. uh uh by rico ross and i'm spacing on the character's name um his his like artwork for some candy some really colorful <laughs> candy and just her delivery of it like she's getting the vapors from this picture of candy <laughs> and i'm just like i i am living for you even though you're only on screen for 20 minutes um, and that that's actually uh, Galleon, Galleon Gorg. I may be mispronouncing her name, but she was sure. in the Uli Lamo film, Strangers in Paradise. Rest uh, in peace. Right, right. Yeah, he passed away uh, very recently. Uh, where she has a musical number where she's a, like a reformed hooker. Uh, oh. And I remember her from that. And once I made that connection, I'm like, oh, my God, she is, she is awesome. She delivers uh, no matter what you're you're going to make her say. And of course, Paul, there's a small appearance by Jack A. There is. There is. There is. Now there tell a... me, what does she do in this movie, Jack A? 
she doesn't do much, and that's a little bit disappointing. Uh, she kind of shows up because she and her husband are getting rid of a, a, a condo that uh, that Vivica A. Fox really, really wants um, because she's fabulously wealthy and has a vaguely defined new business um, that was written up and wired that we we're, we're never given any information beyond that, <laughs> other than it's a, a business that's in Wired. Um, but she and uh, so she's basically gloating about how great she's doing, and then she makes Vivica a Fox uh, sad because she doesn't have a huge apartment or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And then Jack K disappears from the film. Yeah, never comes back. No. No, where I should, kept, we, I know, where should we know Jack A from, Paul? Jack A. I became a huge Jack A fan um, from her role on the uh, hit sitcom Two Two Seven with Marla mm-hmm. Gibbs. Two Two Seven was on like every every weeknight. Uh, it was in syndication, and I just remember just loving like Jack A. Was the 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 sassy uh, kind of very sex positive next door neighbor who was mm-hmm. you know kind of a man eater and. I guess you growing up, you you know maybe maybe it's just a, as a gay man you kind of get just love these kind of figures on screen. But Jack Hay was that that kind of figure. She was like the Blanche Devereaux of two two seven, and she was she was like the, the breakout character. She was actually even going to get a spinoff, uh, which they did a pilot for, which never uh, kind of went on. She did a. a Headlined a couple made-for-TV movies, uh, went on to do Sister Sister, and you know it's still working today. But it's it's kind of like, hey, Jack Hay, she she delivers. I remember her best outside of Two Two Seven, which I did watch as a kid, mm-hmm. as the lead, uh, a female character in Ladybugs, the soccer movie starring Rodney Dangerfield and the late Jonathan Brandis. She's the female lead in that movie, mm-hmm. and that actually hit theaters. So good for Jackie, but she kind of really did disappear. So it's kind of nice to see her in this production. That's one of the fun things about watching David Dakota movies is that you do see uh, recognizable kind of cult. And familiar uh, character actors show up. And sometimes, like, not even, like, that well-known ones outside of people who are very into the genre. I'm going to go back over to you, Liam. Were you excited by Jack A? Not particularly. Now, you must have been a fan of 227 because it has a religious theme to it. And I know how much you love religion. (laughs) Uh, No, I have no memories of 227. Um, I recognize her from the other the sister sister show which right. i still didn't watch but i knew that she was on that did you like any of the performers the supporting performers in this movie liam it didn't sound like you had a very good time with this movie no i wasn't a big fan um this sort of style of holiday film is not very fun for me uh i don't take a lot of pleasure in it and you know whether that is i guess for some folks they were there would be sort of a genuine like this is what they want to watch and other folks might take some pleasure in this movie like kind of like laughing at it or or making fun of it and i just didn't particularly feel any of that but it wasn't i i mean on the scale of this podcast it wasn't that bad either i don't want to make it out like this is the worst thing um i think the central sort of uh conceit you kind of know the movie doesn't go anywhere if the two people don't fall in love. Like that's what you know that's, that's what we're leading up to. And the lead up to that is just so painful for me and I don't know why. I'm not even saying because the movie's bad, though I do think the movie is not great. 
something about that sort of film where from the first frame you know what's going to happen and then it just sort of is getting there. There's some part of me that's kind of gritting my teeth like, just do it. Just get to the thing. I just need to just – can we just wrap <laughs> it up? And I don't know why that is. I'm not even trying to say that. But I, I will say that uh, y- you made a couple of notes here that made me very happy because uh, David McKnight plays her dad, right, Wade? Yes. And uh, I forget who Robert Brian Wilson is in the film. Okay, I'll tell I'll tell you. Uh, and let me get to that right now. So I was mentioning just a moment ago that David Dakota will put some familiar faces in smaller roles. So the, this is just the piece of trivia from the IMDb, just because it, it simplifies what I was about to say. The film features a short cameo by Robert Brian Wilson and Eric Freeman playing two office workers boxing up mm-hmm. gifts. Mm-hmm. So horror fans may know Robert, who played Billy Caldwell in Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Eric, who played his brother Ricky in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. It's also Freeman's first role in 24 years, though his line was overdubbed without his knowledge. Uh, now, for those who are not familiar with the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies, they're basically, well, at least the first one is a killer Santa Claus movie. It, get, it gets a little stranger as it goes into the series, and Eric Freeman is best known. Uh, to movie fans as the person who delivers the famous Garbage Day line from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which, by the way, uses a lot of footage from Silent Night, Deadly Night 1. So I think that covers what you were just about to, uh, to say. Well, I was going to say, like, I saw Robert Brian Wilson's name in the in the IMDb and thought, why is that familiar? And had to, like, look it up. And then I actually recognized uh, David McKnight from J.D.'s Revenge, a movie that I really like. Mm. I was kind of like, this guy, or rather, I recognized him and thought, why do I know this person and had to like look it up? Um, uh, I, I guess I should have also recognized Jack A, but uh, funny Jack enough, A. Funny enough, uh, David McKnight clicked with me more. I think David McKnight. Sorry, I, sorry, please. No, no. I wanted to point out the IMDb. I think is incorrect in that that piece of trivia because they're not boxing up gifts. They That's are, right. They're leaving. They're being they're fired. Leaving. They're right. being fired. They, those are not gifts. They're, yeah. they're well, actually being forced to leave. You don't you don't make gifts for all your coworkers when you get fired. <laughs> That's weird. That must be I was going to say I was going to say the IMDb trivia wrong for the first time ever. I know. <laughs> ever. <laughs> At one uh, other, like, with, uh, David McKnight is from JD's Revenge, and the mom uh, is Riatha Gray, who was the female lead in Jama Fanaka's Welcome Home, Brother Charles. That's right. <gasps> I haven't Charles. seen that movie, but it's on my like must see list. Oh, it'll it'll change your life. Um, I, by the way, David McKnight it does a, a pretty good job, I think, as Vivica A. Fox's father in this sure, movie. I, yeah. I mean, I know it's, they're all thankless roles to one uh, extent or another, but I think he does a pretty strong job as like the protective father. I just like that she has like a, a loving family, and there's no like trick to it. They just kind of really like each other. Maybe I just am looking for that sort of thing in 2017. Mm-hmm. Liam, in the scope of David Dakota movies that you have seen. Where does a husband for Christmas rank? I think it's one of the better ones. Um, trying to remember, I feel like there's one other David Dakota movie which we haven't covered for this podcast that I actually kind of like, and I don't remember what it is. So it's one without Eric Roberts. You mean it is one without Eric Roberts? When I, I, you know, I looked up his filmography after we discussed so many of his movies, and especially after. Uh, uh, Bigfoot versus DB Cooper. I was like, who is this monster? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, there, there's some surprising movies in there. Uh, sure. crap. Nightmare Sisters or Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama? Puppet Master 3? Oh, I do actually like Puppet Master 3, but I, that wasn't what I was thinking of. Anyways, <laughs> so I think on the scale of things we've watched for this podcast, this is not so bad. I mean, I, I think uh, 
when we get into Eric Roberts' role, that, that it'll be an interesting sort of thing. But overall, I mean, it, it's it's not a terrible movie. It, it it is fine for its genre. I think maybe it it kind of like some of his other movies plays a little loose with what might be actually essential facts to make the plot work. You know, it's a little just, loose with reality, I would say. Yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, this is just happening now, and then this is just happening. And I I feel like you could maybe turn your brain off and not notice those things and maybe that would be okay um but again i mean it's certainly not at the uh big for versus stevie cooper level i am going to make a statement you might not agree with liam and say that i believe a husband for christmas is the best david dakota movie that we filmed that we filmed that we featured here on eric roberts is the fucking man and if you search your soul you will know i am correct paul David Dakota, you're a big fan of his. Yes. Uh, and in fact, have you met him? David I have. Dakota? I have. I had the, uh, the the benefit of meeting him at uh, Cinema Wasteland uh, a few months ago. And what when you had your moment to meet him face to face? What is the one question you asked him? <laughs> I, I I ended up asking a lot of questions because he okay. he you know he had such an extensive uh, uh, film career that he's he's very very willing to talk about. Uh, sure. Like he was he was a projectionist in the you know the early '80s and then started working for for Charles Band. Um, you know did occasional adult films and you know he he's basically kind of touched every single facet of uh of film um and now he's you know churning out 17 movies a year um so i don't know if there was a, a, a specific question that uh that i'd ask him but uh he had uh, he had a lot of good stories to tell he he seems like the kind of guy who is very open about his experiences making his movies, which again, I appreciate. He is someone that we're going to try to get on the show. At this point, we kind of have to, we, I think we've featured eight of his movies. <laughs> Eric Roberts <laughs> is the fucking man. I want to talk about the ending of a husband for Christmas. <laughs> so, so this awful woman, Natasha, she calls INS on this situation between Vivica Fox Enrico Ross, this fake sham marriage. At this point, like later in the movie, they have basically fallen for each other. Rico has uh, has broken up with his girlfriend. They're they're good to go for the most part. They just haven't admitted it to each other. The INS agents realize very easily. By the way, they could have figured out without looking at their Photoshop pictures. They could have just like asked people at their work, which is exactly the kind of shit, or like went to their individual families. Like we never find out about Rico Ross's parents or something like that. We're just like, wait, my husband, my son is married. Like there, there's a million ways they could have found out by doing a little bit of investigation. But anyway, they start taking him away back to England. Vivica A. Fox goes to her workplace and starts packing up her things because she expects to go to jail basically the next day. Eric Roberts stops her, gives her his uh, credit card to allow her to do whatever it takes to uh, to fight this thing and to get her man back. She goes to the airport, <laughs> runs runs past the security line, and through security, professes her love to Rico Ross. The INS agents who have been these hardcore assholes up to this point, they're like, that's true love. She also called her family, Vivica Fox's family. They all show up as well. And then she sings. Finally, she's able to sing and find her love for Christmas, sing Jingle Bells to her new man. And they just, I guess they're going to drop all the charges and just let them be married, which is really an incredible ending as like this, all these people surround them, including Santa Claus. <laughs> 
shows up <laughs> to join them in the singing of Jingle Bells. Paul, what did you think of the ending of A Husband for Christmas? There's a lot going on in the yeah, ending. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack what I just said there. <laughs> <laughs> one, 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 thing, one thing to point out is that they're singing uh, Jingle Bells because earlier in the film, mm-hmm. she had been unable to sing Jingle Bells. Like, she, yes. the spirit of Christmas was not within her. She didn't care for Christmas. She tried to sing Jingle Bells to herself and got the words all wrong. Yes. She's also, by the way, terrified of flying, which was which makes her the fact that she had to go to an airport another thing for her to triumph over, even though she doesn't actually have to get on a plane once she gets there. Yeah, so so she's really there's a lot of levels to the things that she is triumphing over. She's singing, going to planes, proclaiming true love, beating the INS, teleporting <laughs> Santa Claus. Um Meeting her family, except for her soon-to-be brother-in-law, I guess, who is not with them. Right. Because, you know, not not invited. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, the INS probably doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I imagine once you press charges, unpressing them isn't just (laughs) down to the agent going, nah, okay, it's Christmas. Liam. But it's true love, guys. I mean, it's that's, true love. It conquers all. Can't argue even with that. The law. She had a black card as given yes. to her by Eric Roberts. <laughs> that makes magical things happen. He's a he's a uh, uh, he's like he's he's like a troublemaker. This Eric Roberts boss. He just wants. He likes to put the players in motion. He he's a matchmaker slash. Uh, chaos creator. <laughs> There's some magic Santa Claus action happening here. Again, this ending is a very complex ending to a movie that didn't necessarily deserve it or need it. But before we get into Eric Roberts, which is what we're going to talk about next, I mentioned before that there's a Christmas miracle occurring on this show. And the Christmas miracle, and this might be underwhelming to those who are waiting for this, is this. I liked The Husband for Christmas. I liked it quite a bit. I enjoyed it from start to finish. And I particularly enjoyed the ending, which I found ridiculous and weirdly touching. (laughs) And I don't know why. I don't know why I like all the parts where she goes to her parents' house and they connect up and she, like, shows him her childhood bedroom. And and I know none of that should ring anything but false. But for me, and because maybe I'm just imbued with the holiday spirit at the moment, it worked for me. I thought it was very sweet. I thought it was kind of, you know, look, maybe not legitimately emotional, but certainly touching in a way that I was, I felt good and warm afterwards. And I saw the appeal of someone watching this on TV and thinking, you know what, this is something I can enjoy. Certainly a lot more than those thrillers that we've watched that are not stocked by my doctor. So I'm going to say A Christmas Miracle Has Occurred. I enjoyed A, a David Dakota movie, and B, it's a husband for Christmas. So now let's move on to the Eric Roberts content here. I was a little worried, Paul and Liam, that we weren't going to get very much uh, Eric Roberts in this movie. And we don't get very much. However, he is a consistent figure from start to finish. Starting with you, Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in A Husband for Christmas? He's not bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I There's not a lot. I mean, his first scene feels very much. Maybe you guys didn't feel this way, but I felt like his first scene felt like the sort of thing that he filmed without Vivica A. Fox in the room, <laughs> <laughs> and then they filmed her. And then they just sort of cut it together. Um, but there, 
I mean, he's fine for that role. It's not a bad role for him to be this weird boss who we don't, who is either a crazy maniacal figure or secretly the spirit of loving and Christmas bringing <laughs> couples together. Who knows? Could be either one. But uh, but I I I, uh, I think his performance is not. There's not a lot there for him to do. Um, it didn't really stand out. But it's he's not bad or anything. It's not he's he's not like not present or something like that. But I, I just uh, you know, uh, there's not there's not much to the role itself. I do like the part about halfway through the movie where he's at a Christmas party and he's wearing a stupid Santa Claus hat and he's sure. completely disinterested by how fearful she is of being in this situation. She's like, ah, you'll work it all out. Fucking <laughs> Eric Roberts. He doesn't care about anything. Paul, what do you think about Eric Roberts in this? It's such a confusing role. Like, I, I wanted a little bit more explanation as to what he was doing because at, at first he's he's really kind of this terrible person he's arranging this uh this merger on the verge of christmas firing all of these people like right before christmas he's set up as a scrooge like character absolutely and even to the point like he talks his employee into marrying some guy because he thinks well she's she's lonely um and will do it uh for a little a little money and then as the movie progresses suddenly he's nice and he's been like this is all part of his machinations in order to have his employee find true love and like what about what about all your other employees are they going to find true love like on the street Where's where's Eric Freeman and Robert Brian Wilson? Where where's their love? <laughs> I'll tell you after from? after after them getting jilted uh, so close to Christmas, I feel like they're gonna take a Christmas themed <laughs> slaughter. <laughs> Maybe that's really what this is set up for. Yeah, possibly. Uh, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, Eric Roberts' character is extremely confusing, and when it's revealed at the end that he's, I guess, supposed to be a good guy, that is that's that like. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I'm like, what the hell? We're supposed to like this guy now? But, I mean, I honestly found that a little bit charming in the sense that it's like, this movie doesn't even know what good people do. <laughs> or, or what, like, an, uh, there, there's a mention briefly of, of uh, human resources. So this office has a human resources department. Like, this is illegal on so many different levels and also immoral on so many different different levels. She could have said... No, I refuse to do this. Go to HR and win this giant settlement because uh, she even has proof that someone overheard this offer that's been made to her. And obviously the dude must have been told about it before. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit confusing. However, does Eric Roberts pull it off? Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man and a husband for Christmas? Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, he he has a a very specialized and maybe in my opinion limited role to play. Sure. He's certainly not given much to work with as far as why anything is fucking happening. But, you know, he does it. He he is who he is and, and even by the end, maybe it's just cuz I like him. Maybe it's just I like Eric Roberts, but like <laughs> he is kind of charming at the end. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Remember when Scott Weinberger in the most recent episode said that he's the only one who can give like an honest portrayal of whether he's good <laughs> because we we're both we're both we're both uh, have been uh, influenced by our contact with Eric Roberts. Possibly true. Paul, you haven't been influenced, even though I ha- I was just looking at a picture of you with Eric Roberts just a moment ago. <laughs> 
Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in a husband for Christmas? Um, you know, I I I was going to say no. My original what? thought, my original thought, you know, coming into this was like, I don't know if Eric Roberts, if his character makes enough coherent sense for sure. me to follow him. But you've kind of won me over. No, and the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking, you know, I was actually drawn in to Eric Roberts. When he was on screen, I was compelled by this. You know, I, I was actually – I wanted to know more about where this guy is coming from because he doesn't make really any sense. And for that, I, I will say yes. Yes, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. How about a husband for Christmas too? Doesn't feature any of the other characters except for Eric Roberts trying to do some matchmaking with other employees at his office. What do you think, Paul? Um, you know, I'm in, but he's probably going to need new employees. I, I wouldn't actually, if Natasha is still working there, I would like to see him trying to set her up. Maybe uh, he can maybe, he can melt her icy heart. Exactly. I, I, maybe with hey, Santa. Maybe with Santa. Hey, Santa looks like he's available. Let's make it happen. A Husband for Christmas too. David Dakota, I know you're listening. Let's see it and anyway and look there's a lot of christmas movies you guys make let's just put another one into uh, production eric roberts is the fucking man we all agree it's a christmas miracle another christmas miracle on our holiday episode of eric roberts is the fucking man you should check out a husband for christmas a movie that i somehow enjoyed more than either liam or paul However, I don't think any of us are going to call it a new Christmas classic necessarily, but I'll tell you what, if it shows up on TV, which apparently it does all the time, uh, I think it's worth a watch, if only for some of the supporting performances and, of course, the acting of one Mr. Eric Roberts. We're going to take our final break. When we return, we're going to uh, do a little plugging with Paul, and then we're going to say goodnight. And that was Eric Roberts is the fucking man, episode number 65. I want to thank our guest, Paul Freitag Fay, for coming on, talking about Eric Roberts, talking about Jack A, talking about David Dakota, talking about all the things he loves and cares about most in the world. Thank you so much, Paul. Where can people find you and your work on the internet? Well, people can find me at uh, Daily Grindhouse, where I write a column called I Wake Up Streaming. Uh, they can uh, find me on Twitter at DecoParsnip2. And uh, if you'd like, there's a new project that I'm kind of working on that if you go to watchthisthing, all one word, dot net, uh, that is just a, uh, a new streaming database that uh, will show you all of the updated uh, streaming titles on 20 plus different services. And in fact, I have added a special Eric Roberts section what? that uh, if you go to the site and you click on Eric Roberts at the top of the screen, 
it'll tell you where all of your favorite Eric Roberts movies are streaming on various sec- uh, various uh, streaming services. That is amazing, and I hope everyone listening to this goes over to that site right now, right this second. What's that site again? That is watchthisthing.net. And you can catch up on all the great Eric Roberts movies that we talk about on this program, or ones we haven't talked about yet, or ones we've talked about in the past. I think we should do it. I'm going to link that in the show notes so you can check that out right this very second. And what a great idea, by the way. I'm always, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by choice, Paul, and I need someone to kind of to tell me where the things I want to watch are and where I can go to find them and what streaming services I need. And it sounds like you're the man to go to, and this is the site we should be going to, and you're the man whose work we should be reading. Isn't that right? That's what that's what I try to consider. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That, that, that's what I try to convince people of, Doug. Well, I think I think they are uh, fully convinced at this point. Liam, I know that you don't really do much on the internet, so maybe we should just skip over this part. But if people did want to check out the 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 meager uh, work that you've created in this world, where would they go? I mean, I think the most obvious place would be CinePunks.com. RevolverMethod.org. Oh, my God. <laughs> CinePunks.com. C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com. Uh-huh. Or they can find me on the Twitter, either at CinePunks or at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Do you have to be straight edge to to go to the CinePunks website? Or no, no but normies? it helps. Oh, I see. It's because the hardcore music that's featured on that site. Um, I feel like a, we don't feature enough music in general, so there's not really that much of a musical flavor, but B, when we do have music, it's a pretty broad variety. I don't feel like it's a, we, we make people listen to, or we don't, we don't assume that people listen to all the same things that there's a pretty big, you know, whatever. It sounds like you've got a broad variety on Cinepunks, but you know what I like, Liam, a variety of broads. Hi-yo! I apologize to all the women in my life. What a horrible thing for me to say. Liam, uh, who did you have on the most recent episode of Cinepunks? Uh, Sam Deegan, who people may know from uh, Diabolique Magazine or from the uh, Daughters of Darkness podcast. Or, and most significantly for that episode, uh, she was the editor on the recent uh, Spectacular Optical release um, Lost Girls, the phantasmagorical cinema of Jean Roland. Check that out at your convenience. And why not over the holiday season? You've got nothing but time, listeners. I can be found on the internet, of course, at Doug underscore Tilly on Twitter. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can check out Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter as well, at E-R-I-T-F-M. Hey, you want to check out all the most recent episodes? Why don't you go over to ericrobertsistheman.com? You can subscribe via iTunes. Why don't you leave us a review? We'd appreciate it very much. There's also an Eric Roberts page on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. And, of course, follow the man himself on Twitter, at Eric Roberts. All one word. Find out where he's flying. Find out how he's flying. Find out what his cats are up to. I think he's home from Barbados. Time to send over your love to one Mr. Eric Roberts. But with that said, we're done. We're not just done for this episode. We're done for the year 2017. A uh, a hallmark year for Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And may 2018 be all the more bright and exciting. Liam, are you excited for the new year, Liam? Can't wait. Paul, are you excited to see 2017 in our rearview mirror? Oh, Lord, yes. Lord, yes. <laughs> I agree 110%. It's been exhausting, folks. We'll see you again in just a couple of weeks with more Eric Roberts. 
classics. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, 